Yeah, so Steve, I'm trolling the New York Times the other day, as I often do, and I come across this article about a couple, a high-profile art couple, that has listed a job available on one of these sort of nonprofit job boards for, for creative professionals, etc. And I'm just going to read a portion of the job listing so that people get a sense of what we're talking about. But among the, I'm quoting the article, among other domestic chores, the aspiring subordinate would, quote, serve as the central point of communication to household staff, including chef, nannies, landscapers, dog walkers, housekeeper, contractors, and building managers, but also be left alone with the couple's four-year-old, clothes would need to pick, be picked up from high-end stores for purchases. One could expect to coordinate all cleaning, repairs, and guest stays. They have a green thumb. They would be expected to manage the apartment's rooftop garden and maintenance that themselves, as well as make restaurant reservations, RSVP to events, create detailed travel itineraries for the couple to do domestic and international excursions, get their passports, get set up their hotels and various airport escorts, as well as manage travel bookings for members of the art studio. And finally, the ideal candidate must be dedicated to a simple goal, make like make life easier for the couple in every way possible. And of course, when you read something like this, you go, gosh, that is a that sounds like a horrific job. Somebody out there is listening, go, I need that person. But let's think for a minute about the experience of the the person actually applying for that job. It really does imply that there are two tiers of work. There's the work where I, the the person hiring or the important person or the artist, depending on how you want to look at it, I get to enjoy my life. I get to jet set around the world. I get to have expensive purchases picked up for me. I get all my meals prepared. My kid is raised for me. My garden is raised for me. My grounds are managed. All the other, even all the other vendors, I don't have to touch those. You're handling my vendors and all my guests who book here, I'm, you're handling them and even their itinerary travel. So I'm farming you out to a certain degree. And it implies that there are two levels of work. The work that I do, which is creating to the, contributing to the world, adding value, and the work you do, which is enabling that. So in a way, this is very much like H.G. Wells' book, The Time Machine, where you have the Eloy up top, the beautiful people who live the good life and eat the beautiful fruit in a paradise, and the Morlocks underground who service that by running the machines and, you know, desperately occasionally come up and drag down an Eloy once in a while and eat that person because they're a little bit hungry. And I liken this to the attrition that happens in jobs like this from pressure, whether it's a corporate job uh, where there's constant scope creep and constant whip cracking by a supervisor sort of asking you to do unreasonable things and constantly turning a task into additional chat tasks. Uh, but I liken it to this because it seems to imply that there's joy in other people's meniality, that somewhere there's a class of workers who don't need to be emotionally fulfilled per se, but they get their emotional fulfillment making sure I'm fulfilled. And there's always somebody that cuts to that ad of a Walmart worker in a blue uniform saying, you know, I just love working here. I love my fellow employees and I, I really do give customer service with a smile and exist to do this. But we forget that though they have those jobs, not every Walmart worker, but it's sort of like cold callers. People that apply for those jobs typically can't get another job. They're the jobs we choose when we don't have many other options. Is it too late to apply for that? You know, I should just subordinate my life and, you know, make my own life disappear. And I only live for other people's lives. So I, I you know... This is so indicative of what I think is a dying mindset. It's so indicative of a of a of an industrial age view or even hundreds of years ago that look if 
for the people who need money at a particular time or or and just about everyone needs to earn a living in some way then there's a mindset that person who has more money, who is in a position to do the hiring, can get that person to do through that lever of financial need, can get them to do just about anything. And so it's a it's a mindset of you will do what you are told and you will be happy to have a job, whether it's in manufacturing or whether it's in, you know, as a personal assistant in this case. And, you know, and the tone, the whole tone of, of that ad, right, is in that mindset of we want you to do all these things. We want you to subordinate your own life. I don't want to, It's they haven't said it, but it's very clear. You almost can't have a life. <laughs> and, and, and I don't know. And of course, the funny part is, yeah, who's going to actually do this? Now, somebody might, but there are fewer people, I think, who are willing to raise their hand, whether it's this job or other jobs where that's the mindset of, you will, if you have a financial need, you will do as you were told and you will like it. Yeah, it's very Downton Abbey, right? When you talk about it being from another era, you're not quite down in the mines, but you're certainly down in the basement, in the lower levels of the house, you know, eating whatever's left from the food, living in a tiny room, and you don't really get to leave or have a date or take some time to yourself or, or any of that stuff. And, you know, one could talk about sort of the privilege of a given class or whatever, but this is sort of leadership privilege, right? And in that sense, it is quite tone deaf. I, I think it misses the fact that what a job really is, when we like a job, when we as leaders are happy with the work that we do, is a job is an adventure. It's full of interesting challenges versus unreasonable ones. It allows us to use our brains and our creative energy it uses the whole person and one might say well that job requires all of that that's the difference right it requires all of that to barely keep up with it but it requires also all of that and i think the dial is set toward sure we want your brain your soul your body your emotions we want every part of you locked up in a in a little control mechanism and in that way People have wanted this since the since the Egyptians built the pyramids. You know, I, I got a question for you. So here's the, here's the setup. Because I, I my question is 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 my interpretation of this does it make sense to you? So my interpretation is I I have a hunch that Western society in general uh, is starting to view individuals, each of us from a peer-to-peer -peer perspective and less hierarchical. So even somebody of modest financial means, I think is starting to demand dignity and respect and know, and also knows that, you know, the thing that, that I can control my own life is what can preserve happiness. I can't depend on somebody else. And so I'm gonna work hard to protect it and and so yeah i don't care how wealthy you are if you're going to speak to me that way or if you're going to expect me to to do these certain things you know i'm not putting up with it and people start to to see each other as peers even if the work itself may not be that prestigious i think it creates a well i'm not doing that i'm not going to work at this job or that job do you share that view or do you have a different explanation on on you know, what's going with going on with crappy jobs? 
Well, yes. And to the audience, we, we froze up there for a minute, but we're just going to keep going rather than try to recreate the experience. But, but I got the gist of what you're saying, Steve. And so I would say, yes, we are starting to pick at the old hierarchies where there's a, a different class of, of people, etc. But Heinlein, Robert Heinlein, a science fiction writer who was also a political and social theorist and wrote two kinds of books, the, the shoot 'em up space odyssey and the, the work of philosophy in a science fiction setting. He wrote, distrust the obvious, suspect the traditional. And so for me, it looks like things are shifting, but I see a whole class of people still essentially going along with a very rigid, military, top-down, hierarchical approach to things, and they're young people. And they're the youngest generation in the workforce. And I see often a belief that, yep, this is how it's done. This is what we saw our parents did. This is what we've read in the history books. This is what you got to do. The template is still really, really strong. Mm -hmm. So while I think the shift is happening a little bit, I distrust the obvious. I suspect (laughs) the traditional. I do think um, that we need to help it along to a certain degree. And I think if we don't do that, we risk our companies becoming irrelevant and our relationship with employees becoming even more tenuous, more ghosting, more people not showing up for work, more turnover, etc. And what that requires, I think, is self-awareness. And when I say self-awareness, I mean self-awareness among us as leaders. So first, we need to be aware that employees have the same emotional needs that we do. They are not a separate category of people. who They're not trolls that work in the minds. Secondly, we need to acknowledge our own emotional needs that we need from work. Oftentimes we go through life sort of taking the creative energy we get to use and the ability to sort of, you know, plow our own way as a business endeavor, choose to open a new market, choose to try something new with a product, choose to incorporate a new brand message or come up with a new process for how we relate how we relate to the customer employees. We take those instinctively creative acts for granted, but those are feeding our emotional needs. So a little bit of introspection and inner reflection on the fact that we are nurturing ourselves and the whole person at work when we reach sort of that leadership tier. That's necessary to then begin to acknowledge not only that other people have those same needs, regardless of whether they're line level, but to acknowledge that emotions belong at work. And that's a new thing. The hierarchy really only shifts. We really only see the cultural shift. When we stop thinking of work as simply a task, a physical act, separated from mental and emotional energy, a physical act that you do in exchange for a payment. And we start to think that what you're really bringing to work using the the most productive hours of the best years of your life is you're bringing your whole self. And the whole self can be engaged with joy and creativity and enthusiasm just as it is for us. And consequently, we need to ensure we create the conditions necessary for employees at all levels to experience that. Yeah, work, work is a social endeavor. I mean, it's, we like to think of it as rational. And when we think of it as, as rational, we start to treat people like robots. What is, how much output do you produce per hour? But the truth is increasingly, especially as machines take over labor, everything we do is collaborative. It involves some form of, of creativity or creation, even if we're in a, a uh, production mode or we're in a, a service role, um, we're still creating something. We're creating a product or we're creating an, out, an experience for, for a customer. And so, yeah, it's it's that, that, that orchestration or a choreography of, of customer and provider. And uh, it's not just trying to get people to repetitively do, even though there's 
tons of work out there where, yes, we're still trying to get people to do repetitively what a machine can do. I think this is where it goes is bringing your whole self to work, to work, to create these experiences and products.